0: who He is. And then we know what we are. It is amazing to me that He takes an interest. The fact that He loved us enough to die on the cross for our sins is a wonder. That's a mystery to me. I'm I'm thankful He did. I know the Bible tells us He did it because He loved us, but I can't understand why. Uh, We were sinners. We violated His law. The Bible tells us that He didn't wait for us to come to Him to die for us or to love us. The Bible says He loved us and He died for us while we were yet sinners. And all I can say is what an amazing Savior, what a great Redeemer we have. If it had been up to us, we'd be lost. I'm thankful it was up to Him. I'm thankful He chose to save us by sending us the ability to trust Him and uh, the opportunity by presenting His own Son as payment for the sin that we committed. We don't have to pay for our sin. He's already done it. What a great, great Redeemer. What a great Savior. Well, First Kings, if you will, chapter 18. First Kings, chapter 18. <clears throat> more I study about things that are going on in the world today and seeking to know the direction God wants in His preaching in order for us to be salt and light in the world that we're living in, Uh, I am amazed and astonished, I guess would probably be a better word, at how rapidly how quickly our world is declining and moving away from God and the things of God. And um, it's easy for us sometimes to look back in history and say, well, these are some of the most dire times where we we're rejecting God and, and departing from God. But the truth of the matter is there's quite a few instances in Scripture where the world was at this place Before. In fact, it was so bad, at one point, God said that it repented him that he had even made man. He destroyed the world and saved Noah and his family alive. Because of the wickedness of man, the Bible says in that day was only evil continually. That every imagination of the heart was focused and bent toward evil. The thing that I look at in the day we live is that we are rapidly becoming that type of a world again. It shouldn't shouldn't surprise us because I know the Bible tells us that in the last days that the world is going to wax worse and worse. And if God is going to return, at some point the world has to do that according to what the Bible says. It shouldn't, shouldn't surprise us, but it certainly ought to be of concern to us in several ways. First of all, to make sure that We're doing our part to reach every person in this world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so they too have an opportunity to escape the wrath of God's judgment on their sin. The other thing that we ought to be very conscious about is that we, in our own personal lives, are living in such a way that we're Christ-honoring and pleasing to Him. That should He come in my lifetime, that He would come and find me ready. And not ashamed, but that I would be ready for Him to come. America is halting. We were established on biblical principles. I love reading history, especially of our country. I love our country. I was talking to my son last week, and I remember as a kid the patriotism there was around the 4th of July. I mean, all through the country, it seemed like. It didn't matter if you went to church or if you were a Christian or not. People loved our country. I remember uh, in 1976, that kind of dates me a little bit, but I remember that being our bicentennial year and all of the celebrations that went on that year, the parades, the floats, the folks that went about and... We're thankful at the country that God had given us here. I love reading the history of our country and the the Christian men and women that God used to establish, I believe in these last few hundred years, a country that could exercise religious liberty and be able to propagate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ freely. And He's given us a great window, a great door, an effectual door set before us of opportunity to preach the Word of God. And I believe in the early days that there was great effort given to that as we saw great awakenings and spiritual revival sweeping across our country. But it seems that in recent days, our country has grown very cold and callous to the things of God. We have a a lot of religion in our country. But very little of God's moving in the hearts of men. There's a lot of folks that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Now we're living in a day where they're even beginning to just reject altogether. And at some point, God's people need to become effective to have the power of God resting upon them to do the work of sharing the gospel the truth of God's Word to a world that needs to hear it once again. In 1 Kings chapter number 18, the the nation of Israel was under a great, great um, evil leadership. Ahab and Jezebel were some of the worst leaders of Israel and were certainly anti-God. They slew many of the prophets of God. And uh, Elijah stands as one of the faithful And as we get to verse 1 of chapter 18, the Bible says, And it came to pass, after many days, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. God had, at this point, withheld rain for three years for judgment upon them. And Elijah, verse number 2, went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house, now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go into the land unto all fountains of water and unto all brooks. Peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it, Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, and fell on his face, and said, Art thou that my lord Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What have I sinned, that thou wouldst deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? And as the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or king whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said, He is not here, He took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here, and it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither, whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. "...but I, thy servant, fear the Lord for my youth. Was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid an hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now thou sayest, Go tell the Lord thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab, and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah." And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Father, we pray that You'll bless the message and speak to our hearts, encourage us with the truth of Your Word, and may we learn some things from this story of Elijah that we can take and put into the practice in our lives some some determination to do what is right. Father, in the day that we live, the development of biblical, spiritual character in each of our lives is so vitally needed that we can become salt and light in this world. We can hold forth Your Word steadfastly, strongly, boldly, and that Your Holy Spirit can reach the hearts of men. Father, I pray that You will bless the truth and may it sink into our hearts. May we not quickly or soon forget it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to note a couple of things in our story so far. It's interesting to me that when Obadiah saw Elijah, as we get down to verse number 7, it says, And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. And I want you to notice these words. And he knew him. In the day that we live, I believe that there are a lot of Christians who are Christians... In name only. There are Christians that I was studying, saying in Sunday school this morning, it seems like we have a lot of religion in our world today. There's a lot of uh, false teachers that go around and they they uh, proclaim to uh, have the message of God. And they mix sometimes a little bit of truth in with their error and with their doctrinal error. But there ought to be something about a Christian that knows the Lord, that walks with God, that has uh, deepened their roots in the Word of God that has grown and matured in the Christian life that when someone comes around them, they know them to be a person of the Lord. There ought to be a difference. In fact, the Bible tells us when Paul wrote to Titus that the Lord had separated unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. That there ought to be something that is distinct about us. It's interesting to note that when Obadiah sees Elijah, he knows who he is. Now, I don't know. The Bible does not tell us what it was about Elijah that caused Obadiah to know at a glance. It could have been his, uh, the way he dressed. It could have been maybe the way that he spoke or addressed him. It could have been just the fact that they both were following and fearing God and the Holy Spirit of God just gave them understanding that this other person was a person after God's heart. But whatever the case was, there was a marked, noticeable thing about Elijah that caused Obadiah to recognize him as the prophet of God. I, I, I think that so often in the world we live, we put so much emphasis on, on, uh, on or let me put it this way, we put so much de-emphasis on standards, on living clean and holy and righteous, uh, we, we, send, we tend to kind of sweep that under the rug and say it really doesn't matter how you live. And, and you know, back in, in the 70s when I was younger, uh, I remember a group uh, that was, go, uh, uh, some teaching was going around, groups that were going around, and they were sincere, I believe they were sincere, and I believe that they were well-intentioned. But they would use the verse that was used when Samuel went to anoint David. They would take this verse out of its context. And the verse was this, Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the what? Heart. They took that verse and they said, So it really doesn't matter outwardly, because God knows my heart. Any of you ever heard that one before? Sad to say, some of us probably have said that one before in our life. The the problem is, the outside does matter. In fact, it's the very fact that man cannot see our heart that the outside is vitally important. Elijah was a man who was distinct. There was something different about him. And by the way, I think part of the validity of Elijah's message began with the fact that there was something different about him. It began the very moment somebody met him. I want you to notice also a couple of things here. The Bible says down in verse number, we're going to read down verse, around verse number 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Now I'm going to stop here for just a minute, and I want to direct your thought this way. I don't believe in this statement that Ahab was, was speaking deceitfully. I truly believe that in Ahab's heart, he was fully convinced that it was Elijah's fault for the drought. I don't know that Ahab ever took it upon himself to say, well, it was my fault in leading the nation of Israel, or Jezebel's fault in leading the nation of Israel into idolatry. I'm not certain they ever correlated all that together. The Bible doesn't tell us one way or the other, and that's my opinion on it. But one thing I do know is this. That there was a moment here that took place that is so vitally important for you and I to emulate. Because you see, in verse number 17, it says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said to him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, and This is Elijah speaking now, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and, and, and we're living in a day where we are, we are so cautious. We don't want to offend anyone. And so we keep our tongues silent. And the world and our society will say it is we Christians, those of us that hold to the truth of God's Word, that are the problem with America. America. And somewhere along the line, we've got to put an end to that and speak up and say, no, it's not this being the problem, that's the problem. And Christians have for far too long, bitten their tongue. And I understand being gracious, and trust me, you've been around me at all. I I err to the side of graciousness. But folks, there comes a time where you've got to speak up and say, thou art the problem. Look what he says here, because he has an authority, and he has a foundation for his statement. He doesn't just say it arbitrarily. Look what it says, verse 18. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou in thy father's house. Now, if it stopped there, you would say, well, that's Elijah's opinion. No, no. He bases it on truth. Because look what he says. In that, ye have forsaken the commandments of the what? Lord. He didn't say you're the one that's wrong because you have wronged me. He didn't say you are the one that's wrong because you've put to death all of these prophets of God. He didn't say you are wrong because you have the wrong political policies. He said you are wrong and have brought this on yourself because you have forsaken the commandment of God. Elijah had no ground to condemn Ahab unless it was against God. That's the foundation. Folks, there needs to come a moment in our society, in our, in our world today, where God's people once again say, Thus saith the Lord. If there's a problem, it's not because I disagree with you. It's because the Bible has been forsaken. It's not because my opinion is different than yours, or I belong to a different political party than you do. It is because you have forsaken the truth of God's Word. It must be our foundation of authority. Now, I want you to notice as he charges Ahab in verse number 19 to gather together all of the prophets of Baal, 450, and, uh, and these, uh, these uh, others that were in the groves, these other 400. So now we have 850 of these prophets of Baal here. And he tells them to gather them together. And we're going to continue the narrative for a moment in verse number 20. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said... How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. Now, I want you to note and mark this phrase, And the people answered him, not a word. They didn't choose Baal. They didn't choose God. They were in a balance, in a scale, in a determining point. They were at a crossroads, and they were uncertain. Now, folks, we are in that day and age in our country. There are people today, you ask some of them, and they'll say, I don't know if God's real or not, or if you ask them how to go to heaven, they say, well, I hope I'll make it to heaven by my good works. And there's a lot of wishful and what-ifs and maybes, and there's a lot of indecision when it comes to the things of God. And you say, well, uh, yeah, it's terrible that these people are indecisive. Folks, I hold that back to us as Christians because if we had been teaching and preaching and propagating the truth of God's word as we should have for these 200 years there should be no question people should know what is right and people should know what is wrong they shouldn't have to sit and to try to debate there shouldn't even be there shouldn't even be a question about whether or not God's word is truth it should be well known But we've had even religious minded people that have undermined the very word that they try to claim as their authority. And then we wonder, we wonder why that our country and our world as a whole is silent when they are given the choice between two opinions. When they're given a choice between believing the Bible and the things of God and believing the humanism and the man's will that goes so prevalently in this world today, and they're, they're halting between these two opinions, and they're answering not a word. Look in verse 22, Then Elijah said unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullets... Let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on on wood, and put no fire under. And ye call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. I want you to notice it. And the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Can I help you with something here? Our world may be at a crossroads where they don't know what is right. But they are searching for what is right. When Elijah put this proposal to them, they said, Yes. We want to know what's right too. And folks, there is we we live in a day where I think so often we get so discouraged at the condition of our world that we throw our hands up in uselessness and say, There's no use in even trying. There is a world out there that is hungry for the truth. They want to know. He puts this before them, and I want you to notice this. And they call. uh, And the Bible says, and uh, verse twenty-five. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first, for ye are many. Call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, "O Baal, hear us!" But there was no voice nor any that answered, and They leaped upon the altar, which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for He is a God. Either He is talking, or He is pursuing, or He is on a journey, or peradventure He sleepeth and must be awake. You can almost hear the, the cynicism in Elijah's voice, the sarcasm, as he mocks them, basically, doesn't he? From early morning until noon, these men are crying out, O Baal, hear us, O Baal, hear us, over and over and over again. They leap upon the altar. They cried. Notice verse 28. They cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. you ever notice this, that when Satan's devils get a hold of somebody, chaos, destruction, bloodshed ensue? Look at our world today. You find those types of things happening. You can rest assured this, this is not of God. It's of their father the devil. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said, unto all the people come near unto me and all the people came near unto him. I'm going to give you three things that Elijah does here that I think are vitally important that you and I understand and do. The first one's found here in verse number 30. The Bible says, and all the people came near unto Him, and I want you to notice this phrase, and He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Folks, we need to repair some things in our country. We need to repair sound doctrine once again. We need to repair righteous doctrine Holy, pure, living. We need to repair bold, uncompromising, steadfast preaching of God's Word. We need to repair powerful, personal walks with God in our own prayer closets because these things have been broken down in our day. The prophets of Baal, serving in the temples of Baal and serving in the groves of Baal, were the ones that were leading the the religious and the moral aptitude of the nation because the altars of God had been broken down. Elijah starts off with saying, we've got to repair some things. We've got to get back to some things that have been broken. These areas of our lives as Christians, we have far too long neglected. My son and I spent the day yesterday cleaning the garage out in the parsonage. It was long overdue. We got about half of it done. We got another half of it to do. My dad, my son, he's like, he told me last week, he said, Dad, I want us to get really, really organized. I want to get everything nice and clean and organized. And we were working yesterday. It got long and it got hard and it was hot. About two thirds of the way through the day, he's like, How did we let this garage get this bad? I said, Bud, you got to understand something. When you organize something, you don't do it one time and then it's done organization is a constant work. And I thought, boy that that holds too true doesn't it in our spiritual lives? Repairing these things that have been broken down, sound doctrine, righteous living, the preaching of God's Word, personal walks with God, those are not things that we repair one time and they're fixed, but they require constant attention. I told him, I said, son, you got to understand that the, the, the law of nature is that everything tends towards disarray. It tends to disorganization. And by the way, when it comes to our Christian lives, if we don't work and diligently hold to repair these things day in and day out in our lives, they will be broken down and they will deteriorate. Don't paint your house for 20 years and see how it looks. Let's let's apply it spiritually. Don't read your Bible for a week and see how how your life looks. Don't assemble yourselves with God's people in meetings that glorify God and where the Word of God is preached and sound doctrine is taught and see how you look months from now. Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. We're in a day where some things need to be repaired in our country, and they need to start with God's people. I want you to notice also in verse 31, the Bible says, And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullocks in pieces and laid on the wood and said fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood and he said do it the second time and they did it the second time and he said do it the third time and they did it the third time and the water ran about the altar and filled the trench also with water can I tell you the second thing he did is he put some things in order not only did he repair the altar but he took the steps necessary to keep it repaired. He put some things in order. He made, sure that, he made sure that the process that they were going through was going to continue until it was fulfilled, until it was done. He took the next steps. He moved on to the next place in the process. I love Romans chapter 12 and what Paul wrote as he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy except one to God which is your reasonable service. I remember the day I got saved. God changed my life. Something was different. The burden of sin was no longer there. The The weight and the conviction that I'd had was no longer there. I was rejoicing in my salvation. And then I remember growing up my teenage years and going to youth rallies and conferences, and I remember coming to the altar and dedicating my life several times, saying, Lord, I, I want to do Your will with my life. I want, to, I want to live fully and completely. I want to give my life as a sacrifice to You. Something that needs to be done on a regular occasion. This morning in Sunday school, we were in 2 Peter, in chapter 1. He gives eight things that we're to add. Seven things to add to our faith. Faith being the eighth thing. We're to add to our faith some things. Why? Because once we're saved, once these things have been decided on and the altar has been built, we need to set some things in order. We need to move on and move forward through the process. Elijah, he takes and he goes through this process of laying the wood in order on the altar. He, he splits the sacrifice the way that it was supposed to be done. And then he takes this water and he pours it over it. And he wants to make certain that there's no question in the people's minds. Because remember, these people are halting between two opinions. They've answered him not a word. Notice as we get down to verse number 36 in the came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that Thou art God in Israel, and that I am Thy servant, and that I have done all these things at Thy word. The third thing that Elijah does is he begins to pray. And there are two things that I think are very important about his prayer. Number one... The prayer was to exalt God before the people. To exalt God before the people. Notice what he says. When it came to pass the time of the evening sacrifice. that Elijah the prophet came here and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. These people are halting between two opinions. God make it abundantly clear that you are God. That's a pretty bold prayer to pray. Especially inside of all of the people. It's amazing to me when some of these religious leaders that we have today in our society get invited onto national news networks. And they are asked pointed questions about the God that they claim they serve. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? And they sit and they beat around the bush. No, no. Let's make sure that when we pray, and we pray in front of the people, or we proclaim God in front of the people, that we are out to lift up the fact that He is God. There is no other. That Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. There is no other way to come to the Father but by Him. Notice what He says here. He wants them to know that that, uh, that Thou art God in Israel, and that I am Thy servant, and that I have done all these things, and I think this is vitally important, According to Thy Word. There needs to be a revival in our nation of God's people repairing things that have been broken down. Setting things in order. And being obedient to God's Word. We live... Oftentimes, with our own will in charge. Have you ever noticed that? We know what the Bible says, but we don't follow it the way that we should. And, and we justify it. And some some areas are more pronounced in than others, and we all have them, don't we? You know, the worst sins that there are out there are the sins that somebody else has. The, the failures of following God's Word, the greatest ones are the ones that you don't follow. They're never the ones that I don't follow because that's the way we feel about it. When Elijah prayed, there were two things he wanted the nation of Israel to see. They wanted to see, first of all, he wanted them to see that, first of all, God was their God. And he wanted them to understand that he did what he did in obedience to God. The Bible says, and he prays this short prayer, just two verses long, "...and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench." I want you to notice verse 39 and we're done. And when all the people, what's the next word? Saw it. They what? They fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. I am convinced that the reason our country is in the shape it's in is not because we don't have enough churches. I'm convinced that the reason our country is in the shape it's in is not because we don't have enough Christians, enough preachers. I'm convinced that the reason our country and our nation is in the Situation that it's in is because the people look to the churches and look to the Christians and look to the preachers and they do not see God because some things are broken down, because some things are not set in order, and because we do not pray with a burden for others. Three things I think that Elijah did that so vividly portrayed to the nation of Israel. The Lord, He is not just a God. He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Oh, that we would have a return. Are there some things broken down in our lives that need to be repaired? The truth is, I think if we did enough looking inside, we could find several things that we need to say, Lord, restore that in my life. Help me to be a testimony in that area. Are there some things we need to set in order to be diligent, to maintain, to do in our lives, to continue, to move forward and to progress? And then do we have a prayer where we say, Lord, our desire... Our desire in following after you, in living for you, in repairing these things in our lives, is so that they can see that you are God. To point men to you, man does look on the outward appearance. That's the whole point. We can try to become something outwardly that we're not inwardly, and we can fool some people for a while. But if we are what we should be inwardly, it cannot help but come out on the outside. We ought to be so full of following after God and His Word that when the circumstances of life bump us, it just spills all over the place. Are there some things broken down we need to repair? Are there some things we need to set in order? And do we need to have a greater burden for people to know that God is the God? Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. Father, I pray that you'll bless the message, very simple message. Lord, nothing profound, nothing new, but certainly something that is of vital importance in the day we live.